You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Squama by Sportiva. A shoe for climbers who are not afraid to send. Climbing obsession. Why are you so obsessed? Squama. Squama vegan. Precision. Stability. Squama vegan. Skin like. Why are you so obsessed? What would you do for the sand? What would you do for the sand? Squama by Sportiva. Squama. What would you do? For the set. Elevate your sending with the Squama and elevate your consciousness with the new Squama Vegan. All the sending without the animal derived materials. Find the Squama at Sportiva.com or your favorite local shop. Squama. Well, folks, them holidays are behind us. And maybe you consecrated Mary birth and the baby Jesus without so much as a wiggle in the hay. Or maybe you celebrated them candles lasting through an eight-day bivy. Or perhaps you're old school and you feasted and gambled and danced naked upon Saturn's fertile soil. But after all the gift-giving and receiving, you just didn't end up with what you really wanted. Some sick gear from Black Diamond. So cash in them gift cards, return a sweater to eBay those bedroom slippers, and head over to BlackDiamond.com or your favorite local shop and find literally everything you need for your next climbing adventure, including the Stoke. That's right, nobody has you covered head-to-toe, pad-to-piton, ultralight cam to comfy hand jam like Black Diamond. Rock climbing, ice climbing, bouldering, or looking fine as rosé wine at the gym. BD has the goods. They even still sell wired hexes for Pete's sake. If that doesn't say next year's white elephant, I don't know what does. So as you shake off the holiday hangover and set your sights on a fructuous 2023, sow the seeds of adventure with some new gear from Black Diamond. The fruitcake's all gone, buckaroo. What are you waiting for? We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing at? Are you playing here? We're doing the... Uh Enormo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place that side of town. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, you really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing with you. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Norma at checkout for a discount on great coffee 
and to support the Enormacast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is February 6th, 2023, about 9 o'clock in the morning here in Colorado. And this is episode 257 of the Enormacast, which is TAPS 2023. No, just kidding. Ha ha. Can I interest you in a Chris Sharma instead? That's right. One of the white whales of the Enormacast. I have strapped myself Ahab-like to Chris Sharma, waving my hand as we dove through the waves deep, deep down into the life, the mind, the psyche of Chris Sharma. And I suspect there'll be some new listeners for this one, because that's what happens when I have a big celebrity on. So welcome to the new listeners and uh, to the faithful listeners. Yes, the TAPS episode has been delayed a little bit this year, I will admit. But as I mentioned on the last episode... One of the principals uh, was waiting for his wife to bring forth life from her body, which she has done successfully. The life has been brought forth. Everything's good. Child is happy, healthy. Mom is happy, healthy. Actually, the funny thing about a little seven-pound hunk of baby is that you don't really actually know too much about what they're thinking. I mean, you can kind of tell if they're upset, certainly. But after that, happy, indifferent... Uh, it's kind of a, they're kind of a little black box, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, but he seems good is, is, I guess we'll just say that he seems like he's okay with what has happened to him. Maybe he's like a little Werner Herzog in there. He's just like, the world is chaos. I wish to return to the womb. I don't know. Anyway, where were we? Oh yeah. Taps coming up. It's scheduled. Just uh, hold your horses. And in the meantime, let's talk about Chris Sharma. Yes, I've been trying to do an interview, obviously, with Chris Sharma for, well, hell, 12 years. How long has this podcast been going on? Um, We've come close another couple times, but you know what? And I find this occasionally with the people who uh, took a while to get on the show. It couldn't have happened at a better time. You know, if I'd have interviewed him 10 years ago, less maturity, a lot of things have happened since then that have have changed him in really profound ways, and uh, I wouldn't have heard about all that. And also, what happened with this one is we did end up face-to-face, which, you know, is kind of not as common as it once was on the podcast. So that was a real pleasure as well. We were in a hotel room in Boulder, Colorado, was down there for an event, and Chris was in town, and we got to make this one happen. So, you know, I just uh, feel like it happened at the right time, and I'm really happy with what we got. And I've been thinking about Chris. I mean, I think most of us do most days. At least when we're falling asleep, there's a moment at least where Chris Sharma crosses our mind as climbers, you know, some more than others. But, uh, you know, he's he really is sort of like one of the most beloved figures in all of climbing, I think worldwide, actually. There's very little controversy that's ever followed Chris. He's never really pulled any total asshole moves or anything like that. Um, He's a little bit unassailable in a lot of ways. I mean, there was the weed thing where he like lost his podium spot because of some THC on board. But we don't even care about that. We, we like him more because of that. And besides, history's caught up with Chris Sharma. You know, unless you live in one of those cruel states in the U.S., I mean, it's either decriminalized or it's legal. And there's a lot of places that still like to throw people in jail for it. I think it has a lot to do with money. But uh, yeah, it's it's moving away from all that. So 
what has he done besides inspire us? And I think at least climbers of a generation maybe a little bit below me, I mean, they can cite videos of his posters they had on their wall as being like one of the reasons they wanted to climb or at least wanted to climb hard. And then there's the Ladura Dura thing. I mean, come on. Dude just like gives away one of his crowning achievements. Let some curly-headed upstart from the Czech Republic come over and snake it happily. Almost happily. We get into it in the interview. But nevertheless, pretty awesome career. The other thing I realized about Chris Sharma, and I kind of like just glanced through you know, recent years of his social media and stuff, is that Chris Sharma has never really told us how to go climbing. And I think that's great. Like, does Chris Sharma train? Yeah, I think he trains. I assume he trains. I, I assume he's used coaches and things. He doesn't tell us about that. He doesn't tell us how to hangboard. He doesn't tell us how to do things to become him. He's just out there climbing and spreading sort of that good Sharma Zen-like charm throughout his social media. You know, lately he's had things to promote and maybe that's like the most controversial thing is that he actually became, you know, someone who's uh, trying to financially secure his future with climbing gyms and now this show, The Climb. Maybe The Climb is finally Chris Sharma's controversy because I think deep in climbing people have been wondering what it was for and why their hero from 2004 suddenly did this uh, reality show. But as we talk about in this interview, we can't keep Chris Sharma in amber at the point at which we were first inspired by him, whether it was on Realization or La Dura Dura. Those things are old now, 20 years, 10 years. He's moving forward. We do talk about the climb on this interview. It's why he was in town, so it comes up. But mostly this is a solid Enormacast-like interview. We get into his motivations, his background, his inspirations. Um, yeah, good, deep, fun interview with Chris Sharma, a very jet-lagged Chris Sharma, actually. He almost wiggled off the hook. He was about ready to be like, hey, man, I'm too jet-lagged. In fact, he said that. And um, I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to come over anyway. Let's just talk about it. And then uh, he quickly switched his focus. I wasn't going to let him off, dude, because, you know, once a Chris Sharma goes back underwater, you may never see him again. He may never surface for you to belabor the uh, the Melville analogy. All right, let's get to it. A conversation with our champion, our ambassador, Chris Sharma. I'm psyched we're doing this. Um, yeah, man, me too. I, I know you and I have sort of discussed doing this, and you're such a busy person, and we have mutual friends, and you know you've been on the run out, and but uh, to actually then finally pin it down face to face is a real pleasure and, and an honor in, in a lot of ways. So appreciate your time, yeah, big of, time. Of course, man, it's good. I'm I'm happy we made it made it uh, happen finally as well right and we'll put the disclaimer on that that you are extraordinarily jet lagged <laughs> yeah cut me some sl- cut me a bit of slack but uh no i'm stoked man. i think i don't know i'm I'm excited about that actually because you know that mood you're in when you're like kind of punchy and and jet lag could be could be good podcasting so Maybe let's see we'll how find this out. goes we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> one of our mutual friends that we just talked to 
and is a friend of yours in Barcelona, Bruce Anderson. We're going to give him a shout out here. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah. So <laughs> love you, man. Um, I kind of wanted to frame something along the lines of of your friendship with Bruce and um, with your life. It's so busy. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of people want pieces of your time. Like you know, here I am in your hotel room. You know what? Is, what does it mean to have like a, a friend like that? He's an old California dude there in Barcelona. You know, frame it in terms of what friendship means to you. Well, yeah, man. I think, I, th- I think one of the interesting things that I've taken away from, I guess, the pandemic, but you know, just maybe life in general, is like how uh, precious friendships are. Right? Mm-hmm. It has been like some crazy years, and especially, you know, during that the whole pandemic period. I mean, this this is kind of like finally getting back into the the groove of my typical lifestyle where I would come back to the U S like three or four or five times a year. But there was like a three year period where I just was in Spain mm-hmm. and it was really kind of like marked like a before and after in, in my life, you know, because I mean, I've lived in Spain for like the last 15 years basically. But as much as I have like, you know, adapted to my life there and integrated into the culture, I've always, you know, really held on to my, California roots, you know? And so, yeah, having a friend from California in Barcelona that I've been able to connect with on on a different level that, you know, I have a really good community and base of Mm. of friends over there. But, you know, there's just something about having a friend from California that comes from, you know, the world of climbing from like, you know, the 90s and that, you know, we can relate on a lot of different levels. Sure. You know, going, you know, from being homesick for the you know the east side of the Sierras, or just you know connecting on on a lot of things, and um, and so it's I don't know. I think this year, like after we've gotten gone through that pandemic phase, like we had this crazy period where we, you know, we opened up two climbing big climbing gyms right. in, in like a ten month period, and then I went right into this, you know, filming this whole show. So it was like this two and a half year period of just like really intense intense experience that kind of, you know, was amazing. It was like filled with so much growth and learning, you know, when you step out of your comfort zone, you know, that's when, you know, all the, all of that, that growth does happen. But once I was able to get through all of that, I've just, this whole last year, I've been kind of just prioritizing climbing, friend friendships and family. And then, you know, obviously like whatever, you know, work I have to do, but I've been really trying to like keep that as like my my compass, you know, in my life just, and so, yeah, it's cool. You know, I'm out here in the, in the U S now and taking that opportunity to meet up with some friends of mine. I'm going to meet up with my old friend, Obi Carrion right. and, and Josh and Brett Lowell and Nate Gold. And we're going to go down to Waco for a week. And of course I'm psyched to go climbing in Waco because, you know, it's one of the places where I got my start and it's an amazing place, but um, really it's just kind of like an excuse to go and connect with some old friends and, and yeah, it's like as as we go through life, you know, you I think realize how how precious those sort of friendships are when you know people, you know, over twenty years, and you are still able to like connect. And because there's also lots of people in our life that we've we've lost touch with, right? Right. And so it's maybe it's a little like nostalgic or something like that. But I guess uh, no, it's cool to to kind of take a moment to appreciate those things because i think uh we all get swept up into our routines in our lives especially when we start having kids and then you know 
two, three, four, suddenly 10 years have gone by and then, you know, you lose touch with people. And so. And yeah, it's it's interesting because we were talking about the last time I was in Spain and in our reference to our kids because we have kid that's about the same age. You have two though. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and then I, as we were walking up here, I'm like, yeah, I guess it has been five or six years since I've been to Spain uh, to see our mutual friend Bruce. And I was like, Jesus, that just happened like that. Yeah. You know, and the pandemic kind of like just took two years out of it and just put them into a black hole anyway so i mean um, it, it might sound kind of depressing for like younger younger people listening to this like we're just like getting older but um i think half I, this podcast is about getting older people are, are, are totally used to it but it's like also like having kids and seeing them grow up i mm -hmm. mean like my daughter she's almost seven now right. and it's like you know you just are able to to witness time go by in a different way right, right. where it's like in your own life it's the years kind of blend together, but when you see it, you know, see your child like go from like a little baby into like a kid that you know you're having like full on conversations with, and you know, yeah, you start to realize like how fast time goes right. by, and and that's been like an interesting thing for me because I kind of like ventured out of out of my comfort zone to explore these other challenges and experiences in my life, like with building this business, you know, Sharma Climbing in in Spain, and then obviously with this TV show, The Climb, like, you know, so I think that was really important for me to like develop other, other like facets of my life. Mm -hmm. But it also made me realize like how much I love rock climbing and how much like, that's just like at my core with that, like take stock of the things that you really value in life. And it's like, and I love climbing and I'm at this point where I'm st <laughs> still feel really like, you know, at the top of my game. Nice. But at the same time, like I see like that it's like this, there's like a finiteness more than in the past. And so just kind of like more, more sense of urgency to like, okay, like if I'm psyched, now's the time to yeah, can go yeah, for totally. it. It's not next year or the year after it's, it's now. And I always so, use this, this Dylan Thomas quote, um, do not go gently into that good night. And it's, you know, it's a poem all about like, don't just give up and die. Like you fucking, you got to keep going and like, um, it's so, it's so exciting to hear that. And I, I kind of knew that about your, your climbing and your goals right now to have that reinvigoration. And that's yeah. like a, a question I always have for, um, not just climbers that are getting older, but also someone who is such a, um, high level performer. I mean, you, you were the best in the world, continue to be the best, one of the best in the world. How do you keep that like fight and that psych? And like, yeah, it's great to hear that it's still you're still firing on those levels of like, I got projects that I yeah. need to do. It's a, I mean, I'm like in a really, really cool phase in my climbing relationship, right. or my relationship with climbing. It's like, obviously like whatever the torch or the baton has been passed like a while ago. And I've taken that bit of space to, you know, kind of establish some other things, you know, like, like a family and like a business and, and um, which is, I think was really important to, to take a step back um, and do other things, but it's really interesting because I think in the past I questioned a bit, like with La Duradura, when I'm no longer the best climber, what's it going to be like? A lot of climbing is about this sense of progression, right? And you always want to keep pushing it up a notch. And like, so what happens when you stop progressing like numerically and stuff? And so, I don't know, it's been really cool just to like really explore on a personal side um, because of course, I, I mean, I'm trying things that are, that are still like cutting edge and, you know, 15 C and maybe, you know, 
maybe I'll even get up to like a 15D. Who knows? Like that would be pretty cool. But it's not really like trying to like play that game of like trying to be the best anymore. Sure. It's just like very personal. And um, and that was one of the like things that I took away that was really cool with with uh, with the Dura Dura back, which was like ten years ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. Which was cool was that you know Adam Andre did the climb before me, whatever. <laughs> was crowned, you know, the yeah. new best climber, whatever you, however you want to say it. But, and it was for me, like the realization with that was like, all right, that's cool. I still want to do that route. It was just kind of like a very cool, like confirmation that I was climbing, you know, for the right reasons, you know, like mm-hmm. per, it was like personal, this personal journey. One of the interesting examples, um, and to each their own, like everyone has their own way of doing, doing life. Right. But um, Jerry Moffitt, you know, it was like such an inspiration for me as a, as a kid growing up and had the opportunity to climb with him, you know, on a number of occasions. And, you know, he was also at one point best climber in the world. And I think when that stopped, he basically lost interest and he quit. And I feel like, um, I don't know, they're, to each their own. There's a lot. Right. I mean, it's totally fair. And there's a lot of different things to explore in life. So it's... um totally legit you know one of the interesting tangents about jerry that's really interesting though so he basically quit climbing after that and he got really into surfing and then he had a few years ago he had this really bad uh surfing accident he broke his neck in um in the canary island surfing and um you know i don't know if he had to get like vertebrae like like fused together and he was lucky he didn't wasn't paralyzed obviously had like you know, nerve damage and stuff like that. And to like alleviate his back and all this stuff, he actually like climbing became a therapy for him. And so he was like, he took a trip to Barcelona to climb in our gym and like some, and he was like back into climbing and it was pretty neat just to see like, even, you know, or, or like our friend Bruce, right. He took, he quit for 10 years and then found himself in Barcelona at our gym and, you know, got, got re you know restoked so i i think it's probably important you know if you if you're going to climb for 30 40 years it's supernatural to have like periods where you know the intensity level is going to it's going to vary it's not going to be like always super hardcore and and that's like that's just natural but i think it's it's very cool to see for all of us in that way like how climbing is just like woven into like the fabric of our you know of who we are you know it's like our central thing that connects you know all of these other experiences whether it be friendships or our jobs or you know or i don't know on so many different levels and so it's you know i trip out on it because climbing has been this thing i've done since i was 12 years old and it's taken me all over the world and it's also like facilitated all this amazing like i've learned so much through climbing that's not just about climbing, right? Of course, you know, there are like the things you learn about yourself while on the wall and projecting and all that stuff, but it's also like traveling, learning new languages. I mean, with this whole gym enterprise that we started in Spain, I mean, it's crazy, man. I've learned so much about about business. It's been such a crazy last seven years diving headfirst into, it's like been a literally a crash course in and all of those things. And it's like, I'm dealing with lawyers and architects and banks and all this stuff. It's like all in Spanish. And (laughs) 
And so it's interesting, like none of that stuff is climbing, but it's all like brought to me through climbing. And so I think there was a point where I felt like I needed to also find out who I was outside of climbing. Mm -hmm. You know, there was periods in my life when like I did uh, after I'd climbed biography in, in France in 2001, like it was a really important moment for me to kind of take a step back and, you know, I'd kind of been like this and I was this like kid child phenomenon climbing was kind of thrust into the limelight at a very young age and put in this, this role of, you know, put up on a pedestal. And I think it was really important for me to like, take, take a step back. You know, I went to Asia and I spent time like meditating and kind of like seeing what it was like away from it. And I think it's, it's also important, you know, it makes you appreciate it. And, and that's definitely, I think one of the things like being a father, like, you know, being, having these other responsibilities, like it makes me hungry, you know, it makes me miss it. I mean, I think the times when even, you know, even though I look back on it kind of like, um, I I can't complain about it at all, but you know, to be just a pure professional climber and dedicate yourself a hundred percent of the time, I feel like, like it's not a very balanced lifestyle. And I've, I see it all the time. You know, I see people that I, I remember living in, you know, in the Pyrenees, in the in San Llorenz de Mongai, you know, it's like the quintessential climber's dream to wake up and look outside of your bedroom window to beautiful limestone cliffs. But, you know, you get complacent, you take it for granted. You're like, oh, it's a little bit humid today, or it's a little bit, you know, not quite right. And, you know, you don't quite appreciate it. And then suddenly when you don't have it that easily, it's like, you feel really hungry for it. So for me, it's been been good to kind of like, you know, just kind of embrace that that journey a little bit, you know, where it's taken me a little bit away, but then also like coming back in, like even even deeper, you know, and that's like the cool thing, fall back in love with climbing. I think that's one of like the really cool things. Um, but I will say that, you know, in the past, it was a lot easier to like dip in, dip out. Yeah, but now like that, I'm in my 40s. Fitness wise, you fitness wise, it's not not that easy, and so it's like (laughs) now there's like a lot of just a lot more awareness and appreciation. Like I remember, I went six months to India and Japan, and and I was just like meditating in like monasteries and stuff, and and then I went and like flew straight to the Phoenix Bouldering Contest and got first place, (laughs) and (laughs) and now it's like take six months off and like. You're like starting from scratch again. And so it's like climbing came very easily to me back then. And I don't think I really appreciated it that much. And now that it's like, you know, you feel a little more more mortal that it's like you really value value that and value the feeling of, of feeling fit. And um and so yeah, it's it's cool. Kind of like come full circle. And now I'm just like, just wanna freaking climb and I wanna hang out with my friends and spend time with my family and basically do all the things I've always done. You know, not much has changed, but it's just kind of like in a new, kind of like a new focus, a new kind of just like, I think there's a lot of BS that we maybe, you know, it's very common that we are not that appreciative of things in the present moment. I guess as you age, then you start to become aware of like, you know, and you appreciate those things more. And so it's been, it's been cool of just kind of like being more, just aware of like how freaking awesome that we're, you know, that I get to go climb in Sirana 
you know, that's like my home crag and, um, yeah. And then, you know, like I was saying, to have these friendships that I've built over, you know, so many years and get to like, you know, have this community of friends around the world. It's, it's very special and climbing, you know, it's like an amazing thing that, you know, kind of joins all that. So. Yeah. I've, I've wondered about, because you, you, I mean, you're, I guess maybe pre Alex Honnold, you were the biggest celebrity, at least in American climbing, right. For a long, long time. And, you know, celebrity on climbing level is, you know, whatever it's, you know, it's not superstar athlete, football player type of celebrity or, but, it, but it's always been curious, like what effect that had on you. And that was one of my questions and why I started with the friendship thing. I'm like, you know, there is some level of people kind of wanting a piece of you. And I'm like, well, so what does he do to make sure he gathers his friends around him when he needs them and uh, moving through? Have you ever felt, I mean, what, what's it been like in terms of you're a kid phenom, you again are maybe for a long time, we're maybe the most famous climber in the world until a certain somebody free sold El Cap. But, um, <laughs> you know, what was that like? I mean, was that part of your meditation takeoff, like period of trying to kind of figure out who you were in the climbing world? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been blessed by just like having good people around me, mm -hmm. you know, from a young age, you know, like the people that I started climbing with, basically right. like my good friends, Andy Puvel and Sterling Keene, they were like my first like kind of like big brothers or mentors, you know, and they yeah. were like very soulful people that, always kind of like kept me like, you know, grounded, you know? Um, and I think there was a period of time when I guess, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I struggled with, with some of that a little bit. And mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a normal thing of like, you know, how to make sense of all that. But one of the things that actually I really vividly remember because it's, it's, I mean, climbing in general is very, as amazing as it is and how beautiful as it is, it is also like very selfish, right? It's like about, you know, me and my experience. And of course we love to like dress it up and that it's like, you know, communing with nature and all that right. stuff. And it is, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's also like, it's very much all about yourself. And there's something very beautiful about that, of course. And trying to kind of keep it, keep it pure in a way. And so I, I always held very close to me like that, trying to like have that level of authenticity. I think especially I had like a knee, pretty big knee injury when I was 17. And so that really like set me on like a new path. Up until then, I was like, the world was my oyster and like I, everything was opening up and then suddenly like the kind of the doors slammed shut in a way. And it made me really reflect on all that. And so I really came back to climbing when I was 18 in a very much more meditative way, I guess, because I had spent a lot of time just like rehabbing, you know, in these random little beach cliffs and just kind of really discovering climbing away from trying to be someone. You know, I had that project uh, biography and I had tried it when I was, uh, when I was 16 and I was out in, in France with Tommy Caldwell. We were like hitchhiking around Southern France and it was, it's crazy to be 16 and, and doing that. But uh <laughs> Yeah. But so I like at that at that time and that was like that was the cutting edge futuristic project of our era, right? And I had this kind of this idea or this ideal like I wanna do it. I wanna go back and do that, but I wanna do it just 
in a really pure way. And I want to just go there with no cameras. I want to just like go there and just like have it be like a super personal experience. And I remember talking with my dad about that. And he, I mean, he's always been a really important person in my life, very grounding. He was like, no, you should go with your camera crew out there and document that. And, and you, and with that, you can, you can share climbing with others. You can, you can make it more than just about yourself. You can make it for others too. And so it was really, that was like began this kind of like awakening of like um, trying to like keep it legit and pure for myself, but also like transform it in a way that I can also like use it as kind of like an offer. Like what I use my climbing is like an offering to like the climbing community or, you know, you know, so I was like kind of embracing fame or whatever embracing that limelight but trying to like use it in this in this way of like trying to like transmit like not like doing anything super profound but just like just transmit like good vibes you know and i think that always came through pretty strong and i think that's like why i guess i've been you know pretty well loved in the climbing world and i'm super super grateful for that and you know i just uh so it's it's very cool like climbing as a as a profession because obviously you know you have to make a living but it's also like beyond that I think we all need a way to feel like we you know contribute in some way to to society and so it's like that I've been you know given that chance to do that through climbing it's like I mean it's pretty special and at this point now it's like I mean whatever I mean if people are psyched to watch me climb like I I'm that's cool like I'm happy to climb and share that with people. If not, that's cool too. Like I'm still going to go climbing. That's still what I love. And uh, I mean, I think it's like now it's kind of ingrained in me combining, combining like storytelling with going climbing. And I think it's, it's interesting because it's like, um, you know, doing these amazing, you know, first ascents or climbing these places. I think it's comparable to, yeah, like a musician or something, right? Like you, they can make, compose like a masterpiece piece of music but if it's not recorded anywhere you know no one can enjoy it right and that's like a critical piece of of the process is actually somehow documenting that Mm -hmm. and that's and that allows a lot of people to enjoy it and it it goes from just being a personal thing to something you can share with, with the world and so i think i love going climbing when when no one's there and no cameras are there but it's also cool to be able to I mean, shoot, man, like it is super satisfying when people come up to me that, and they're like, I, you know, had the poster. Yeah. Or they, you know, they saw <laughs> King Lines and that, what, that's what got right. them psyched to start climbing. Right. Like, and it's, uh, it's super rewarding. And so, like, I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, it's a, it's very cool to be able to, you know, combine those things. Right. So when you, you're, you know, you just mentioned being such a young phenom and, I've remarked on this a lot, how that your generation and your era was was kind of, I mean, not the beginning, beginning of that, but, you know, we're, we're sort of used to these young climbers just being so good. And I've had, uh, you know, a, a part of your cohort was Katie Brown. She's been on the show and we talked about that. And, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, it was the beginning. Yeah, like yeah. when, and when Tommy Kate, was when so Tom, young and like, you were young. Tommy, Katie, Beth and I, you know, yeah. when it was like 1995 at the Berkeley nationals when that was like this crazy 
it was kind of like a revolution, you know, like, mm-hmm. because up until, I mean, that was, you know, all the climbers of, you know, the late eighties, early nineties and like the sport climbing revolution. And then, and we were the first, you know, we were the first kids that really came on the scene and were at a maybe even superior level than, yeah, than well, the adults, it's right? It's wild because so, you're competing against like, it's so weird to think about, but you were competing against like people in their like middle, late twenties, uh, you know, <laughs> like that's just like bizarre now to think about it, Yeah, um, that there would be that pe- people there. But one of the things that's always, well, I don't care if it's another sport, if it's gymnastics or if it's, you know, when there is a phenomenon kid or, or a young person, it's like, we're looking for a formula like, well, you know, where did that come from? Because, and you're, you're a particular climber. I mean, you've, you've lasted and it's, you know, it's been your legacy to have started so young. Um, And when I've talked to people on the show, like climbers, climbers can run a a lot of times. Part of the reason they went climbing is to run away from their roots, you know, like their upbringing, they didn't like it and, Mm -hmm. or where they were born or whatever. Um, So can I ask you about a little bit about like, Basically, the influence of your parents, because you just mentioned your father, um, your mother was a dancer. I know you lost her um, young, but uh, tell me what you took from from them. You just mentioned some some grounding from your father, if yeah. you can elaborate. Where, where is that legacy in you, That what, what they mm-hmm. did? So my mom took me to the climbing gym when I was 12. You know, I was always climbing stuff, um, trees and whatnot, and a friend of hers who climbed a little bit saw me, and she's like, he was like, you should take him to the climbing gym and so i think i went to city rock back it was like one of the first gyms in the u.s and there they told me that there were a new gym was going to open in santa cruz and so at that point i i went down there like i asked for like a job to if i could like sweep the floors or something and um did they say yes uh, no i don't think so. I don't, <laughs> no i didn't but i was it was a trip because i i uh that guy still is like, I can't believe I told Trish Army he couldn't have a job. <laughs> but no, it's like I, I had like a paper route and I like saved up and I like bought my shoes and, you know, membership. And it was like all kind of came for me. It was after that. But, you know, like my, my parents were like, my mom was very art. She was a dancer. She was an artist. My father was a surfer. They were both yogis. And, so that when they got married, they took the name Sharma, which is a Sanskrit name. They're studying with Baba Haridas in Mount Madonna Center in, in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And so that's definitely like a big part of my background. And yeah, they were just super supportive of me. And so I guess, I don't know, I think it's it's an interesting question, you know, to think about like what impact they had on me and I think and thinking about now having kids, right? Mm-hmm. And how we influence them. And I was I had this conversation with with Yuji the other day as well, which was super interesting. But I think like my mom v- was very supportive of me just embracing this, you know, embracing climbing. You know, it was very. I mean, I was like fourteen years old, and I you know won that competition and was like getting invited to go to all these events around the world, and it was this interesting moment because I was this you know I. I was just, I just started high school and I was getting pulled away to, you know, all of these different things for climbing. And she actually found this, um, this dude that he used to be a principal at a high school. And he basically saw that kids 
don't all learn in the same way. Some learn better in classrooms, some but he basically set himself up as a registered high school and would like give you a high school diploma based on some essays and stuff. My mom was like, you should do this. You you shouldn't be here in school. Like you need to go pursue this. And my dad was more skeptical for sure. <laughs> but um but I I I think about that sometimes and you know, my mom, you know, kind of really supporting me on like just like following my path. Uh, neither of them were climbers, but uh but they were both like very I guess um you know pretty free spirit in that sense. Like I supplemented some of my classes with, with like junior, junior college, community college, but I would, I had like, then I had four day weekends so I could travel more. And then yeah, suddenly it's like, yeah, I was 16 and me and Tommy were like hitchhiking around, you know, Southern France by ourselves, you know, we were teenagers. And, and so it's pretty wild, you know, I think we'll see how <laughs> being a parent to think about that now, it's kind of crazy, but, <laughs> but you know, it's like that, this experience of climbing has been like my education in so many ways of just like, you know, going through the world and like the school of life and, you know, the interactions and the, you know, different situations that I found myself in and just kind of em embracing things. Right. And so it's like, for example, with this TV show, you know, um, I never imagined myself in this situation, but it's like when a door opens, you know, it's like, you can, you can, either walk through it or not but it's like i don't know i think you got to em embrace things when they come and it's like not obviously there's always like hard decisions and some sacrifices that you have to make but i think you have to like embrace the things that come in front of you in life and um and so yeah it's 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 pretty wild like where life has taken me you know like you know living in europe and i think it's definitely like connected to that initial support from my my mother give, mm -hmm. just kind of like giving me just like the green light to like you know follow my passion and it's really interesting you know this then like flipping that around now being a parent and you know I was I was climbing with Yuji Hariyama the other day in, in Siwrana and it was really special you know he's a pretty good friend of mine hadn't seen him in several years since you know the whole pandemic and we were the only people climbing in all of Sierra. It was pouring down rain and we met up for, we were like, let's go climb. We we're like, I don't know if we're going to be able to, let's just go try to find some dry rock. And it was pretty epic because we we're like, the, you know, like that's what climbing is all about. You know, like we, Yuji is like such a legend. We've both been climbing for so long and both like just so passionate to go out climbing, share with each other. And he's someone that I've always looked up to because he's he's 54. So he's, I mean, he is like from the generation before me, climbing competitions were born. And he was, you know, at the inception of all of that. He's just a very inspiring, just like he is like the embodiment of what a climbing ambassador, you know, some, an ambassador of sport is for me. He's, he is the example that I always hold up and one of the things we're talking about is like this whole balance of being a father and also being a climber and how to balance those things. And, you know, oftentimes climbing takes us away from being at home with our kids. Right. And that's like something that I struggle with now. You know, I, there's all, there's like a level of, of guilt sometimes, like when I'm away and I'm doing something that's often, you know, it's pretty selfish. It's like for me, because it's, you know, 
and you know Yuji's experienced that even deeper because he's had to travel for long periods of time and i'm i'm in a very fortunate situation in that i live in in catalonia and i can go you know i've i've found a way to kind of like integrate things in a, in in a way so his kids are 23 and 25 his son is a professional soccer player and his daughter is a professional dancer so it's like two or all three of them are like very untraditional paths of life right and so he, i mean he was explaining to me he's like somehow it's hard to identify exactly what but somehow like his example of him following his passion as a climber instilled certain values on his kids about what it means to like follow your dreams right and i think that's something that maybe when i was a kid like my mom supported me my dad was more cautious because you know just like leaving high school early to and doing something totally unconventional like climbing felt like a pretty big risk you know and when you also want to see like stability for your kids and and at the same time i don't know it's cool and i'm um i'm really curious in that sense like who you know what my kids will do and it same goes you know for me like jason is someone i really look look up to as a father and had that challenge of following his dreams as an actor and and trying to balance that with fatherhood and at the same time yeah like that is like the ultimate example to your kids of like how to like live your life as well like how to follow your dreams that being said like i really want to be there with my kids you know and i and i think it's really hard for me to imagine like for filming this tv show i had there was one point move film for like 4 months and there was there was a couple periods it was like over a month where i didn't get to see them and it I don't know. Like as much as I would love to do some expeditions around the world, like I feel like I'm pretty happy to be able to kind of try to integrate that as much as possible mm -hmm. and combine, you know, family and climbing and just kind of like it's it's interesting because I'm uh, I'm like an extreme weekend warrior, you know. <laughs> it's like I I, I go that. I go I go for the like day trips. Right. That's like I'm always in a hurry. I'm always just like trying to squeeze everything in, but. But it's cool. I mean, that's like the thing that I'm really appreciative to where we live is that, um, yeah, living in a place like Catalonia, like mm -hmm. where we live in, in Gava, which is right near Barcelona. We're right by the airport. And so it's all about just like, you know, doing these day trips once in a while, taking a few climbing trips. But there's point in life for everything, right? For like, you know, I think it's really important to travel and, you know, maybe in the context of like a professional athlete, it's important to like do certain things like, you know, climb in different countries and this and that. But I think for just like really fine tuning your craft, you also need to be in one place to do that. And so it's, I'm really just kind of pretty happy where, where I'm at right. that, I, that I'm able to find this balance with family and climbing. And I mean, it's, it sounds easy, but it's like, I think um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's, one of the most challenging things. And, and that was, you know, for me, you know, taking a bit of time away from climbing to set up, you know, create a family and business was very challenging to not have that free time more, more so than more, most people, I think, because as a pro, pro climber, you have just like, you know, so much freedom, like go wherever I wanted, whenever. And so when you have that taken away from you, it's kind of, <laughs> and I'd be like, you know, changing diapers and, watching my friends out, you know, traveling the world. And, you know, there were some moments of FOMO for right. sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, then but it all transforms yeah, eventually yeah. back too, because 
your kids will get independent again and and you'll yeah. be you know you'll have a lot more choices to make yeah. then as far as yeah. their own free time because they may not even want to hang out with you <laughs> 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 you'll be forcing themselves upon you as teen or upon them as teenagers yeah um well i mean the, the thing about what you're talking about is that you know spain is this place um you embraced i, I think like you were part of putting it on the world stage as far as what it's become as a destination climbing area for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think the so. focus, yeah. like when you did realization was France and like, Oh, I want to go to France to climb. I want to go to the Verdun. I want to go to Seyuse to climb. And then I don't know when it happened, but there was this huge shift over to a lot think, of these places. I think it was in, like, in yeah, Spain. it was connected. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, Danny Andrada mm-hmm. played a really important yep. part of that. And then, you know, I, when I went there and met up with him and I got super inspired and, ended up staying there. I think that's definitely, that was like a paradigm shift in, in climbing. I mean, I think it's really, it very interesting to discuss this right now because, you know, from when I started climbing in 1993 till 2004 or 2005 or something, I mean, the French were like the dominant force. It's incredible. You know, they were such masters of climbing. I mean, they, they, they were, and they still are, but I mean, in that, in that period of time, they were, on like a, they were so superior, you know, in competition climbing, you know, in on rock climbing, sport climbing, you know, when Jibé Trubo came and established uh, to bolt and not to be and just do it and Smith Rocks, that was like the the backdrop of climbing that I grew up in. It's just interesting to see like the generational like evolution of things and like how things kind of ebb and flow. And um, I don't know exactly when that changed, but yeah. Maybe it was had some somewhere around when I did realization or mm-hmm. biography, right? It was like right around two thousand two thousand one, but it was like American climbing started really like rising up to the top level, and then yeah, Spain became like the hot destination spot for you know high end sport climbing. It's really interesting for me now to see with um, obviously you have so many amazing climbers out these days. There's uh, too many to to name off, you know, at one time. But I'm really inspired by Seb Seb Buen. Yes. Yeah, you know? Seb was. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna get to that in yeah. here too because I mean he just did, um, you know, the the connection up there yeah. at Clark yeah. Mountain on Jumbo. You know, so it's like stuff. you know yeah. historically you put that into perspective. So back in the day when when Gibe from France came and established the hardest route in America with to bolt or not to be, and then with just do it. Um, and then, you know, it kind of flipped over where, where I came and I established, you know, an American established the hardest route in the world in France. In France. <laughs> and then now it's like we're reliving that in a, in a new era with, with Seb coming over and putting up the hardest route in the U.S. And it's super cool, right? Like how, I mean, I think climbing, it's so amazing how international it is. And yeah, I think it's interesting to see like the, how how different influences have inter- interacted and you know influenced each other it's probably similar to like music right like mm-hmm. how it's gone from different places and Im- impacted different different genres but um and i think seb in particular he's super inspiring because um i mean you have all of these amazing climbers and athletes but to, seb really inspires me because you know he's going out and he's finding these king lines right like that's what it's always been about for me is finding these very beautiful things. And you can tell, you can see the things that, that he's chosen to climb 
you know, they stand out. Um, they're amazing, stunning, iconic pieces of rock. And I think that's, um, that's unique, you know, because most of the top climbers aren't doing that quite in the same way. And yeah, so, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to define like what the ingredient is, but there's like Seb's got this ingredient that I think makes him stand out. I mean, he's obviously the ingredient is that he's an incredible climber and incredibly strong, but there's, like you said, there's lots of people like that. So there's this little magic thing and, and you had it, you know, that I still got it, man. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) 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 Do you need a nap? Do we need a nap? Don't don't count me out yet, man. I know I'm tired. I don't want to push you too hard because you're in your forties now. Uh, We've been going for a while here. Um, But yeah, I mean, have it, had it. Sorry. (laughs) Just fucking dissed Chris Sharma on my podcast. This is going to be on (laughs) in history. Um, But yeah, and, and like the ingredient, and I've talked at length with a lot of people about this, like, what that ingredient is that to me, and maybe it's a personal thing too, but I think obviously he's making a splash on the world stage. Like, what is it that makes someone like that so intriguing when another climber who climbs super hard is, you know, in my mind, more of a flash in the pan. And it's, it's this desire that he has. And then also I I love how he has a foot in history too. He, you know, this whole thing that he does with going out and, you know, sending these old roots like Agincourt and like, you know, and he's just like, God, that was hard. Like, I love that video of him doing that stuff. But no, it's in, it's incredible. I mean, to see all of these different characters that you know, over the last thirty years of mm-hmm. like when climbing became when you know high end sport climbing bouldering really kind of like took hold and as you know the one of the main disciplines in climbing. Um, I think I, there's definitely like a bigger gene pool, but mm-hmm. I'm just still blown away by guys like Ben Moon and Jerry Moffitt sure. and, you know, like guys like my good friend, Mark Laminestrel, yeah. um, Fred Nicole, Boonspeed. Like, I mean, I feel like the, these are all characters in climbing that were climbing at the top level in the early nineties that, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they were climbing fucking hard. Ron Kauk, you know, I feel really grateful that I got to climb with all of those guys. And I was kind of right in this, you know, interim between generations. And I was, I was the little kid, but I got a chance to climb with all these guys. And, um, and so that's always like, yeah, it's something I've been really proud about. What you're talking about, about the pool is interesting. Cause I, I, you know, I had Scotty Franklin on here and he talked about just, you know, that's even a pre previous generation to the guys you're talking about. Well, he was Scott. Frank was similar. Yeah. similar, similar yeah. How old was Scott now? He must be like in 50, his 50s. 50s yeah. yeah. But but the thing was, is like he talked about how like they would travel around and it was like, you know, they would go to Bukes and then there would be, you know, Wolfgang and, you know, it's like this little crew because yeah. sport climbing was so new as well. They would just see each other everywhere because that's where you would go to climb hard. Mm-hmm. And there was like kind of a lot more limited places. I mean, Spain didn't even exist as a climbing area at that point. And so, yeah, it's just cool. You know, these ta- this like talent pool has grown to be pretty huge. Yeah. Um, but it felt really tight, you know, in the past of like who was making waves. They all knew each other. They all climbed together. Yeah. I think it's, it's pretty cool that we're, I feel like there's, it's almost like, like lineages or something, mm-hmm. but you know, like there's definitely like 
this like transmission, you know, of like, mm-hmm. like for me, like getting to climb with all those guys um, back in the day. Like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like, yeah, you're connected to the history of our sport. And I, I feel super honored to have put my, you know, grain of sand in the, in, in the bucket as well. Um, and yeah, cause you and, have no perspective when you're, you're that little kid and you're climbing with these greats that you will someday, yeah. you know, yeah, well, put just, it back in the bucket, so to yeah. speak. But it's just cool. Like to think that, I mean, now, I mean, it is going to be an interesting next 20 years of our sport, see how things evolve, but see how things have gone from, you know, looking at, you know, the California stone masters, for example, you know, like I feel so privileged that I got to climb, you know, with Ron Kalk and, um, you know, Dean Feidelman is a good friend of mine mm-hmm. and, you know, getting to climb with, with Dean Potter and he, he's a bit of a different era, but just, you know, I'm kind of like a direct descendant from those guys in sure. a way, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. Ron, Kalk, it. Ron Kalk started climbing in Castle Rock, which is right where I started bouldering. And it's just, and, and Yabo was, you know, was there. And, and so it's just very cool. Like, you know, there is like a direct line of, you know, I mean, it's very, very cool to, to feel that kind of connection into the, the history of our sport and, and, you know, get to kind of be a part of that too. It's pretty special. There's so many topics to go with here talking to you. I mean, we could do hours and hours, but we don't have hours and hours. So one of the things I think that was really pivotal in your life, obviously, because it led you to Spain um, to, to wanting to live there was showing up in Mallorca and, and finding this deep water soloing scene and building on what was there. Um, you've mentioned that as being, you know, that's why I'm in Spain now is because of my, my dip into there. And then we just watched the final episode of The Climb last night. That's why I'm here in Boulder and, and why you're here in Boulder as well. This television show that you, you've produced or created, helped create, however, however it worked out uh, semantically, but it starts in Mallorca, ends in Mallorca. And, you know, again, your your life changed when you found Mallorca. So maybe we could talk a little bit about the show, but also incorporate yeah. how important it was for you to put that in there. I mean, it's exciting footage and and uh, as it always has been, but. Yeah, well, there's, there's, I mean, we could talk a lot about the show. And it was an amazing opportunity that, you know, kind of just kind of, manifested itself with jason and myself and we, oh wait let me ask you that like the idea was it like literally like you guys shooting the shit or did someone come to you like what was the germ of that i i mean it started so jason and i reconnected um in barcelona and at this point we just you know we really really connected and was like let's let's do something i am i'm who i am you're who you are like what we let's let's go film some rad shit let's go do something cool together and then we were talking with some other people of different ways that we could you know manifest that and it kind of just came out through this this competition show and i think it was you know it, it was this fine balance of like it was a great great way to like keep um keep the ball rolling to have this competition but ultimately like what our main goal was just to share our passion for climbing. And I think that was like, it gave a way to like, keep, keep things flowing. But, um, but yeah, it was like our ultimate goal was just to like, and, and also with the climbers too, it's like, regardless of whoever won, it's like, I wanted to really instill in them what climbing is for me, you know? And, and so being able to 
take them on kind of this almost like pilgrimage of these different places in Spain that have been super pivotal for me in my life in climbing it was very cool. And so literally it's like I went after climbing biography, like I didn't really know where to take climbing for myself. Mm-hmm. And then I went to my orchid. It like totally revolutionized my, my vision for where, what I wanted to do. And I wanted, and I found Espontas and that, you know, I wanted to find something like biography, but over the water, something of that scale. And, um, and that, you know, led me to spend tons of time there and feel, you know, became close friends with Miguel Riera, who's the kind of the founder of Mallorca and Cicoblock. And then from there, I was curious to get back into sport climbing. And I went from there, I took the boat over and I went to Siurana and went and climbed La Rambla. And then uh, from there, I went up to, you know, ended up moving over to Catalonia and I lived in San Llorenz de Mongai where, where all the contestants, you know, they stayed at my house, right? right. And so it was... It's very like close to my own personal journey in climbing. So to kind of, I think uh, watching that last episode was pretty special last night because, and it was really cool to see the reaction from everyone. But I think you could feel how authentic it was for for all of us. You know, you, when you see Jason talk about, you know, his passion for climbing, and all of us, you know, it's like it's it's very real. And of course, there's these other elements where it's this big production for HBO Max and there's all this other stuff involved. But really the core of it is like from our, it's like, it's like friendship and love of climbing and, and wanting to celebrate those things. And, and so it's cool to see that really kind of become like the lead pillar of the whole thing. Right. Right. Right? I think that, that really shined through obviously in, with Jason myself, but also with, you know, with Megan and then also with the climbers and the, the camaraderie that they had um, was amazing to see that, you know, I don't think anyone knew exactly how that was going to all, you know, unfold and they all became so tight knit and it was kind of like a big social experiment right. in a lot of ways, you know, and, and to see like the kind of like the true values of, of our sport, like stand strong through all right. of that stuff and, and kind of stand the test of, Hollywood and it was a dance, you know what I mean? Like to, to, to walk that line. And, and for me, like I just focused on, on that side of it. There was a lot of people involved. There was a lot of amazing storytellers, a lot of amazing professionals that are the best at what they do, but none of them have the perspective of climbing in the way that I do. Right. So um, that was what I focused on. Just like, I'm not going to do all this stuff that I'm not good at. I'm going to just focus on, like making this the most authentic as possible climbing wise and, and trying to transmit that and, uh, and trying to stay like real to yeah. myself because I feel like, I mean, it's a fine balance to suddenly be in a position to be in like a reality TV show host. And like, well, yeah, it could have, it could have like gone, <laughs> could have gone South pretty That's easily, you know, you, like, like it yeah. could have like been Did- something that like, I really regret, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, was there, let's just say like you, 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 toss yourself into this you know this thing that's famously can chew people up spit it out you're in hollywood now it's a big production not in hollywood you know physically but all this money all this stuff that you know it has to happen and you've got all these influences i mean were there were there moments during it where where you were like god this feels like it can get out of control like 
you know, you have a meditation practice, you're famous for kind of calmly looking at the world, but was it hard to not get nervous and swept up in this thing with this many people and executives all the way yeah. up through HBO? And yeah, it was, et cetera? It, it was a, it was a unique challenge for sure. <laughs> it was a unique challenge. And like, I mean, one of the things is that I've, aside from being like role of host, which was a whole new experience for me. And, but I was, you know, of the executive team, you know, I was one of the executive producers of this and it's like, I've never worn that hat. And so I'm with like, you know, with these people that are like professional executive producers. And I think for me, that was a really new role to take, to, to be in. And I mean, let's face it. I'm just, I'm, I'm like, I'm a climber. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's what I like to go do, go climb. And I mean, I'm, I'm excited to learn these new, mm -hmm. new skills and stuff. But, but for me, like to suddenly be on that level where it's like, it was up to me to toe the line in the, in that realm of climbing and no one else could do that there. And so we were like this 80 person crew and you have all these different cooks in the kitchen. And sometimes like, you know, having to like, you know, I don't know, put my foot down certain times, sure. you know, and like, you're like, we have, we can't do it like this. Right. We have to do it like that. Right. And then sometimes even like having to like use the, you know, golden wild card, be like, uh, you know, use Jason's name in sure. there to like, you know, <laughs> put a little extra weight on to my words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you that, like, cause he, you know, you talked about your strengths and he's a, he's a climber, but he's obviously an extraordinarily successful actor has done gigantic movies so he's a, did you so, le did you lean on that like well like his were, his acting yeah. but also like his just i mean professionally like he's i mean a producer and right. you know i mean he has it's really impressive to see how you know how much he's got going on and i mean he's a passionate storyteller but yeah one of the things that jason's like you know if there is something because jason couldn't be i mean he had a million things going on he was there for some of the time but then i was i was holding the fort down for us you know and I think the last thing that either of us wanted was like for this to come off in a, in a cheesy way, sure. but, but that, obviously that was a risk. And so, I mean, one, one of the times Jason was like, you know, if you ever don't feel good about something, just like, feel free to like, you know, let them know that, you know, like you can speak on my behalf, right. basically, you know, like. He's your and, muscle. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And, and uh, because like, I mean, I think they took him more seriously than they sure. took me, I think understandably. Right. Right. Um, but I think um, well, it was a it was a cool experience on 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 you know for everyone in that sense. Like you know, the reality was this was a show, and these guys, other pe the other people on the team had made other you know reality shows or whatever. But this show about climbing, no one had made it, and this was like a big experiment, and it was pretty yeah. nerve wracking well, to see can, like how it all unfolded yeah. and like that we we, I mean that how it un unfolded the way it did in the on the in the competition sense you know any competition you know like if the roots aren't set properly it could be a total disaster the fact that it was men and women competing together you know i feel like there was a lot of like potential things that you know could have gone wrong and and maybe it wouldn't have worked out quite as well so right. so it's pretty it was a i'm excited that it, it seems to have been received pretty well and i would be super excited to get a, a second series a second um Second season, yeah, 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 to just like keep building off of that because right. I feel like there's now like, you know what you're we, doing. We, now we all know. I mean, the, <laughs> what's good? What's it bad, was crazy because like the yeah. first episode, like that was literally like my very first day ever doing that, and so it was, 
and it was cool like i think probably you could see too like as the episodes progressed like we got more and more comfortable at our roles and yeah and so it was cool like like i was saying like life gives you these chances to learn new skills and it was new for me to not be like the the talent as a climber that's always been i've you know i'll do little interviews here and there but like let my climbing speak for itself right and this was this was unique in that way so you know we've all seen what hollywood can do to climbing (laughs) you know which must have been one of your worries like um how far away from the core of it are we going to get like are we going to have bolt guns you know all those sorts of things but um did you have it would still be awesome (laughs) still waiting for one of those (laughs) but were you like okay so you guys finished filming was it a typical thing where you didn't really see the result until it showed up well so like how involved like first of all like one of the really important things to note was that i brought well, we brought Brett Lowell in. Mm-hmm. You know, Brett's like one of my best friends. Him and his brother Josh, we've been sure. working with them since I was a kid. The center guys. Um, but they, you know, whatever, filmed the Dawn Wall, filmed King Lines. You know, in my opinion, Brett's like the best climbing videographer on the planet. And he has the most experience. Literally, he's been there on all of my most important sends. I mean, he's someone you should have on this podcast because Absolutely. he's literally, he was on the Don Wall for 19 days when Tommy and Kevin did it. He's been there for like very pivotal moments in climbing over the last 20 something years. So, but having him there, I felt I, you know, had my right hand man of like, you know, he's going to help us hold this thing together as well, which, um, which he ended up wearing. I mean, he ended up stepping into the role of director at some point and even beyond that, like helping me select the routes for the climbers and but then yeah so after after it was done i was involved in post but from a distance you know mm-hmm. so i would like view right. edits and i would you know and then i would have to do some voiceover uh here and there and then we would meet and discuss you know things that needed needed changing and stuff like that i think at some point i got a little bit burnt out on it right and i was just like it's gonna be what it's gonna be you know sure. and so i i think i kind of Luckily, also like the team from RXR is like the agency I work with. They helped out a lot with with that stuff as well. Um, of just like proofreading and you know just like making sure that what we were doing wasn't gonna look and be like a you know embarrassing and sure, sure. and a disaster, yeah. right? So um, and yeah, it's like there's obvious things that we could keep making better, but I think uh, for me it was like a huge. Like it was very cool to just see the reaction of climbers mm-hmm. because it just kind of like made me like <sighs> yeah really it was a right. sense of relief but then also like it was just very very um, satisfying to feel to see their to see the sense of like pr- pride in in the core core audience core audience that you know watched it last night that they 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 felt good about it mm-hmm. and uh, and and other climbers that you know that. That mean a lot to me. Their opinions mean a lot to me. That uh, I mean, you're always going to get some people that are going to criticize things, but it's um, you know seemed like seemed like it worked out. So you know, I'm talking to core climbers with this. This is this is. I just had a conversation with somebody like, oh, it sounds really interesting. I'm like, yeah, it's super core. Like, I don't care if non climbers are listening to this. Frankly, I mean, I love that they are some of them, but we want you. It's like we want you and Amber. We want you. I think a lot of times the community wants you to just be
be the old Chris Sharma that like goes and sends hard and you know that's yeah. all we want to think about but for you we've been talking about your progression in here we've been talking about you progressing to having a family and having a business person and then this show like fits into it but tell me about that tell me about the decision to make this show as far as again your your progression as a as a climber but also as a person and and how your life yeah. is because you know what i mean like yeah. we, we'd rather you just stay at oleana and kept yeah. sending hard or whatever yeah well i mean the cool <laughs> thing is is that like i mean the last since we finished filming in february last year that's yep. all i've been doing is climbing nice and so like i was telling there's nothing better than diving back in when you've been away for a while i've been involved in many different productions over the years and it sounds cliche but it's like you're always trying to like take it up a notch, you know? And this amazing opportunity came my way with, you know, my good friend, Jason. And it's just like, step it up a notch, a big notch. And, um, and so, yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? Like, no, I'm just going to, no, I think you have to like, yeah. you have to embrace, you know, these other things. And I think, I don't know one, I don't know who told me this a long time ago, but like life is filled with, all of these very interesting side trips, you know, mm -hmm. that you don't expect. Um, but oftentimes there's some of the most interesting things that happen to us, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it was a risky thing to do. And I totally appreciate that. And I also appreciate the fact that you felt that, you know, you, you wanted it to stay true and you, and, but again, I just think about the way those systems work and how, again, it can spin out of your hands and out of your control. And, in looking at your life again, I, I, I mean, think that, that, I mean, the, yeah. the thing is yeah. though, like if that that stuff happens, yeah. you know, and I don't think that should like prevent you from sure. not trying stuff. Right. You know, it's like yeah, you could invest a whole season or two full seasons in a route and not do it, but does that mean you shouldn't try it? I, I, it was a bit of a risk, but at the same time, it's like you know. Well, I find it interesting too, though, that the nexus of you and Jason, I mean, that made it happen, like. I can't imagine it would have turned out the same way if, you know, some, if, if you were on your own, for example, and we joked on, we did an episode on the run out where we, we had, I think it was a bonus, whatever. We talked about like celebrity climbers, you know, here's these people dipping in, dipping out over the years, mm -hmm. you know, David Lee Roth, like from yeah. Van Halen, like yeah, climbed yeah. with Coke and all yeah. those sorts of things. And, you know, we landed on this, on Jason as being like, I, I think it's all like super legit, you know, like, because it's not always, right, with yeah. Hollywood guys. And he's super legit. Yeah. But then, like I said, he brought this other weight to it. Yeah. And this other skill set to it. And I can't imagine it would have turned out the same if people had just yeah. come to you so, by yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, um, Jason's a, a very big deal in, in that world. And mm -hmm. so getting to, like, team up was, you know, very, very cool. It enabled us to do something on this scale. And I'm super grateful. You know, I mean, he's he's a great friend. He really is a great friend, you know? And like, it's one of the things we keep coming back to is like those friendships, you know, are, are very special. And for Jason too, it's like, I think one of the things we're both only, only children. And so like our friends are like our family, you know? And, and so I really um, appreciate his friendship, but yeah, as far as climbing goes, I mean, he's probably more core than most climbers out there. <laughs> and you know, back in the day, he he was a climbing bum. He ended up crashing at um, my buddy Jorge Visser's house. Oh, sure. 
And, you know, Jorge was a great climbing photographer back in the day on film. And he had all of his slides in his basement of uh, when we went and shot photos on, on biography. He's like very historical slides, which since then he, I don't know if they were destroyed in a fire or something like that. But Jason, when he was a climbing bum, he stole one of Jorge Visser's slides of me on biography. And he had, he still has it. And so it's like, you know, it's like that kind of like level of coreness, you know, that, you know, he, and, and that he, you know, treasures that sort of thing. You know, it's pretty, I think it illustrates his, you know, level of passion for climbing. And There's also kind of this like, interesting i don't know it's almost a gap in the media or whatever you know after uh ladura dura you know you're in spain you're leading up to to you're getting married you're you're having kids you're you're building this this uh these gyms like but all the while you're climbing and you're climbing hard and you're putting up these roots that are wicked hard and around around spain so tell me about a moment that maybe a climbing moment for you or a route um, that maybe we don't know about so much, but that fell into a very special place for you outside of yeah. the Pantheon. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of them to choose from. I, mean, I think two that just come to my mind, um, Bone Combat. It's like a 9B that I put up. And the cool thing about that route, aside from it being an amazing climb, was after La Duradura, it was kind of like the end of my time in Spain. I ended up moving back to the US for about a year. I was in California trying to like figure my shit out. And, you know, I was like back living with my dad. I didn't have a car or anything like that. <laughs> and ended up meeting Jimena, my wife, uh, who's Venezuelan, but her family, her father's from Spain. And so we had this joint connection to Catalonia. And so we ended up choosing Barcelona to like, let's, let's try this out, try out a life together in Barcelona. And so it was, it was like a big experiment to cut like, but also like destiny kind of like bringing me back to, to Catalonia. And, uh, but this time in, in Barcelona and I was very reluctant of like living in a city and that route was that crag and it's in COVID, uh, Bon Combat is in Covadosa, which is 40 minutes from Barcelona. And that was like, that's what made it all click because suddenly I had this amazing project and it like combining I guess kind of like re rediscovering climbing this way of like being in an urban setting and then dipping out and going out into nature and then kind of like appreciating that, that contrast more. That was pretty special, you know, to like reinvent my, my experience of climbing through that, that whole per perspective. And, you know, I think there's something very cool about being in the climbing areas, but then also going back and not being in there and, and kind of living this other life. Um, and that's kind of like that route was what kind of like was able to like fuse all those things together. And then just recently, you know, I went back to, and it had been three years since I'd been in California, since the pandemic. And I had this photo shoot for Prana in Bishop in October. And actually I had some like anxiety a little bit of like, what's it going to feel like? Am I going to go back to my home and feel out of place? You know, because three years is a long time, you know, and it was amazing. I went back to Bishop and it was like this amazing feeling of just like being like in my power spot again, being with some of my closest friends, 
And, you know, I went up to Pine Creek Canyon and there's that iconic root ecstasy that was put up, I think it was like in 1990 by Tommy Herbert, beautiful arete. And that's where I, when I lived in Bishop, I lived in, in Rovana, the base of that canyon. And so Brett Lowell and I, we rented a little house in like the little mining community there. And that's when I did all the climbing of the buttermilks. And that was like end of the 1999 or something. And so going back to the Pine Creek and it's like the classic experience of going back to a, a place you've been to many times and like seeing it in a new way and looking at that arete and looking at the right side of the arete and like, huh, maybe that could be a new line. And so I climbed this route, the same arete, but on the, on the right side. And it's this amazing climb that I think will, will become like a modern classic. It's kind of like the, like the dream catcher of the East side or something like that. And it just kind of like, just came just like manifested itself. It was incredible. I was only there for like three days and I was curious about that. And I went and was able to like bolt it and climb it. And, but for me, like coming back to California after three years and coming back to like my power spot in the Owens Valley and feeling just like welcomed back into like that place. And with that experience too, like with my friends there, but, but also with, you know, a root like that kind of just like, it's like a flower that just like opened up for me, like, you know, right there. It was just like, kind of like a, I don't know, it's kind of just like very meaningful and kind of a sign of just like, you know, very kind of special moment. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Chris for sitting down, making it happen, coming out of the deep jet lag to get a great interview done. And also, a quick shout-out to Tyler Wilcutt at RxR. Agents are supposed to remain behind the scenes, but Tyler's own climbing exploits deserve an enormous cast one of these days. And, of course, everybody's been asking me, hey, when's Momoa coming on? Couldn't Chris get you Momoa? No. I don't think he could, actually. <laughs> but in case, Jason, you tuned in for Chris's episode... You know what Alex Honnold says? If you're a climber, you pretty much got to do the Enormacast. And for the rest of you, since I've got you sort of in that ecstatic, sweaty glow of the aftermath of a Chris Sharma interview, sitting there smoking a cig or whatever you got to do to relax now, or you had to pull the car over to wipe the dampness off your forehead, this would be a perfect time to go to Enormacast.com and click that donate button. Free content is not free to make, though the sponsors go a long way to pay for the show donations help out a lot too what do you get for donating nothing just the satisfaction of making sure someone gets paid for the work that they do because the whole catalog's out there for free over 257 episodes actually with the extras okay taps coming up i promise don't forget to check your knots